gentlemen and variations thereof, welcome to the Selectives Lorecast, a casual Elder Scrolls podcast. Do I have the right display on? Yes, I do. Thank God. Uh, my name is Rotten Deadite, and with me today are... Or is, in fact. Is. <laughs> my, name is my name is James, also known as Aramithius. He's the only guy who's showing up today, I think. Felix might yep. be able to show up um, later, uh, I yeah. think, depending on when he gets out we'll of work. See. But, uh, yeah. Um, so it's just a selective mm. dual cast right now. Uh, and we're talking about Topol the pilot. Um, who, if, uh, you haven't, if you're not an obsessive compulsive lore reader, uh, is one of the first, he was Marish, right? He was Altmer to, um, one of the he first, was, uh, either, either Altmer or he was either Altmer or Oldmer. Aldmer is um, what UESP is telling me. Oldmer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and he was, uh, apparently an, an explorer and a poet, uh, who, uh, uh, you know, sailed around, uh, Tamriel during the Marethic era when time was a little weird, was still kind of sorting itself out. Oh, there's Felix. Oh, speak the devil. Yes. We have a Felix. Yes. Excellent. Hello. <laughs> Sorry. You I just, missed, I just had you to just, Oh, what? You just missed <laughs> The introduction just by missed it yeah <laughs> oh okay well then hi everyone i'm felix otherwise known as banuhana masaishi i don't there know what is. the hell i'm doing here and that explains half my appearances on this show oh uh, yeah well <laughs> uh, uh you're here to ask useful questions and uh and also ab absolutely explode with with redguard lore that's what that's that's why you're here <laughs> yeah okay all, yes. um, all of that redguard red lore applies to topol the pilot right? it, it will and in ways that we will absolutely get to i'm i'm 100 sure actually especially when it comes to things like sailing um well i i guess because yeah i don't actually mm -hmm. know much about this and i didn't have a chance to really research because uh i'm also half in the process of making a meal for like a potluck uh a, a dish for a potluck dinner for a friend's right. birthday today so i'm just like Oh, whoops, right? It's two o'clock. I should maybe go down there. <laughs> yeah, and it's go actually my lair in the basement. <laughs> actually, I think sailing's probably a really great place to start because yes. uh, what we want to talk about is what what I want to talk about is what was sailing, what was exploration like in the Marethic era? Um, Red Guard are known as being uh, a very competent sailors and uh, fishermen and etc. And um, uh, part of that has to do with the fact that the uh, regatta sailed from uh, uh, across the sea from the uh, from the uh, from from the remains of uh, the the Yokuda. Uh, I was going to say of, of Tamriel's first mass industrial accident. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, oh. it wasn't an industrial accident. It was the, for the first mass nuclear accident. Yeah. Um, and uh and they 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 uh that was quite a trip they took literally um from what we can understand the entire surviving like population of yokuda sailed east to tamriel and um now they well, did this yeah. did they sail yeah. east that that's <laughs> well that, but um, also is it the entire surviving did, population nope. that's honestly left deliberately ambiguous and then mm -hmm. yeah like if you want to use coda as a basis that also challenges it mm -hmm. um but then that brings up the question of oh is oh. that just a memory of the people rather than people actually being there right dun, dun, dun. welcome yep. to the Elder scrolls lore um yeah nothing all nothing's for cave. sure it's okay yeah. um <laughs> but uh <laughs> Um, so uh, the, with, mm -hmm. with, with the issue of sailing, I do want to make one thing is that what we do know is that 
there were basically two separate sailing events that happened. Um, mm-hmm. The first, according to their lore, is that Divad the Stinger and also Friend Arhunding are the ones who actually left first, like by about 20 or so years before everyone else followed yep. suit. Mm-hmm. And the main thing is that everyone who decided to follow suit, they all set up shop on the Isle of Herney for a while. Um, and then they moved on to like the other islands and then the mainland from there. And there's kind of this weird like sort of time skip period, which is why, spoiler alert, everyone, I'm working on a Hammerfell prequel, which deals with this in the initial Red Guard invasion. Hmm. Um, but that's what we know in terms of actual dates and even by the Red Guard's own reckoning of, yeah, so like first, like some of these heroes that we know in folklore allegedly sailed eastward and then we sort of followed suit. Uh, we set up shop on the island of Herney as like a way station and then the regatta sailed from Herney off to the rest of uh, the uh, the coast of Hammerfell. Well, it wasn't Hammerfell yet, but it was going to be. And then they started conquering their way east from there. Um, mm-hmm. That's the official timeline of events as we know them. And um, what's interesting, what, well, what I was about to say about uh, the Isle of, Her- Isle of Herney is that um, they were supposedly led there by Tava, Yes. Um, who is the Red Guard Lady of the Air, um, which is going to sound kind of familiar to anybody who's played Skyrim. Uh, but um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the and what was going on during the Marethic era. Um, this is a, uh, a period of time in Time Rail's history before the first era when, say, for example, I think uh, this during the Marethic era, uh, well, okay, the one thing that we should mention is that the Marethic era's years are numbered backwards. Backwards, yep. So um, the early Marethic you know, is... because all the scrolls lore wasn't confusing enough. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> the early Marethic is uh, ME 2500 or so, so we're reasonably certain that the Marethic era took about 2,000 years. A little bit over 2,000 years. The only thing that we are not sure about with the Marethic era is how reliable time was, because we can... It's generally accepted with most people who are into deep lore that the Dawn era had some very sketchy, like, um, uh, uh, measurement of time. It was very hard to tell how long things lasted in the Dawn era. Um, That's kind of the point, and why, like, to return to the Dawn is to return to uncertainty uh, pre-time. and fluidity. Maybe, although I'd argue that one personally. Yeah. Because, and and, and um, that, that's yeah. fine, but I'm just saying like, there's kind of that concept that we at least need to be aware of, right? Yeah, when I like mm. to, an- an- what's the word, anthropomorphize uh, yep. uh, Akatosh, uh, I like to think of him like the dawn time as when he was just sort of getting his shit straightened out, like like he was, he was just putting <laughs> everything in place and kind of like, okay, no, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. Stop doing things. I need to put, okay, so this goes here and this what did you just do exploration no no we're not doing that i don't i don't care what the damn mortals are doing i don't care what kind of battles they're having okay i do care but l- let me just hold on let me just put this the you know and and so like towards the end of the dawn era towards the beginning of the morethic era was when he was finally starting to go okay <laughs> i got it i got it now this goes here and this goes okay yeah and so um and i eat my tail and time yeah, is a fuck. do it all over again yeah yeah and uh so uh, during the Marethic era, we were getting like a lot of the big strokes of uh, Tamriel's history, like, for example, the construction of towers, uh, Crystal Tower set up, White Gold Tower, Dereni Tower, etc. Um, we got... Uh, uh, Red Mountain was also caused because of that. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't know about the Green Tower, right? 
Yeah. Like, was we've that not, a time that was got, created or just like appropriated from the natural world? I feel like it's an appropriation. That's what my gut says, but I, I'm yeah. willing to be wrong about that. It's, the other towers of Tamriel were built, including Oracle Green Sap, uh, the Brass Tower, and Snow yep. Throat. Okay, so okay. built should be in really the being question marks. For that? That UESP. Uh, where, what's the source? Uh, hold on a second. Um, 36 is... I imagine that would be... Pocket Guide to the Empire First I Edition. I imagine that would be something like Before the Ages of Man. And out of game, uh, Numantia Concept. Uh, Intercept. Good old oh, Numantia okay, cool. Intercept. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, way, uh, oh, Fall uh, of Hybalothi Culture was in late. James, it's very frozen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his camera's been effing with him all day, so Aww. it'll it'll snap back in. <laughs> it right. does. Uh, so uh, the reason why uh, we're we're sort of talking about what the uh, what exploration was like in the Morethic era is because time and space in the Elder Scrolls universe are very closely related. Um, theoretically, like I would argue that time and space only actually exist as we understand it in, um, in the, uh, in Tamriel itself in Mundus. And that if you're outside of Mundus or the farther away you get from, Mun from, uh, from Mundus, uh, the less cooperative time and space get, the less they begin to, uh, resemble what we um what we think of as time and space um because yeah, that's just the um mm -hmm. the results of the interplay between anu and padamir like that's sort yeah, of or akatosh all... and lorcon but yeah mm -hmm. okay sorry right the, the, yeah. the sub gradients just like it's all it's all because of the interplay <laughs> yep you're exactly right <laughs> uh, yeah. um and so uh uh time and space and thought oh is that a thing in star trek interesting doc the rule of three, time and yeah. space and thought. Um, hmm, I'm going to look into that. That's Star, Star hmm. Trek getting mystical? That sounds very weird. Yeah, well, yeah. they'll, do, they'll do it every yeah. once in a while when you're not expecting it. Uh, yeah, fair and enough. And also, the, I like the rule of three when it comes to time and space in Elder Scrolls, because then it's time and space in the Observer, which brings me to <sighs> the observation of... Uh, um, uh, Tamriel itself, which is kind of the the thought experiment I wanted everybody to sort of mess around with. This is this is me going completely outside of uh, established lore and canon and etc. And in fact, there's probably really a lot of evidence to that that doesn't support what I'm about to suggest. <laughs> but I'm I am going to suggest the idea of thinking about Tamriel as a place where you have to discover something before it exists. Right, we've so, touched on this before. Yeah, we, we have briefly experimented with this idea. The idea being, therefore, that when Topol was sailing out of Aldmeris and visiting what we now consider to be the landmass of Tamriel, um, what, what, when he was... Outside of Somerset. Uh, outside of Somerset, I'm sorry, thank yes. you very much. Yep. Um, when, when he was sailing around outside of Somerset, was he discovering, when, when he was discovering these foreign lands, were they in fact becoming... Were they coming into existence as he discovered them? Um, now, uh, there's a lot of reasons why that doesn't work, <laughs> because <laughs> a lot of these places had uh, inhabitants that had a knowledge of historical events that had happened before Topol showed up. Um, however, Topol's reports, uh, the things that the 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 poems and the uh, uh, and the, the the reports that he brought back from his exploration 
uh, are among some of the earliest writings that we have in Time Reel's history. They're not the earliest writings, but they're among them. The, yep. so, so that's a good argument against this. Another argument for it would be that um, shit's wibbly-wobbly all the time in Tamriel and that, you know, um, as he sailed in and discovered places, they insisted themselves into existence in the past. Um, that's, again, that's just, that, that's probably me overcomplicating things. But it's a fun, like, I mean, I've been kind of like sort of pitching this idea over the past few uh, casts that we've been doing. The idea of thinking about Tamriel as a place where we can't take the stuff that we take for granted in the real world for granted. So things like gravity and air and et cetera, um, all work like it's, it's just fun to think about Tamriel as a place where those things don't work the same way. Um, and one of the other reasons why I wanted to talk about Topol the pilot is because he has a, uh, he brings back these very interesting stories about the places that we now know uh, from video games. And from in other places of in-game lore, like famously, in my opinion, he talks about uh, visiting uh, Cyrodiil and sailing up the Nibin, uh, uh, the Nibin River and uh, and discovering uh, a race of birdmen, for example, uh, where uh, he teaches them, <laughs> this is. We'll get into that. We'll get into my thoughts. Our, our, I think probably all of our thoughts on this in a second. But he teaches the the, the birdmen yeah. how um, literate literacy, and in turn they grant they gift him the eight main islands in the inside of the bay, which eventually become the um, eventually become Cyrodiil's, like the the uh, the uh, the city Imperial itself. City? I think. Yeah. Yeah. The Imperial City. Um, Gee, I wonder if the number eight has any significance there. Nah. So, uh, yeah, not at all. What? So the the first, I think this this discovery bears a lot of examination because it smells a lot like the stories that were told by early imperial explorers in the real world when they would come and visit, you know, America or you know Australia or something like that, mm. and then they would come back and say, "Oh, well, they." Uh, oh, I should mention. I forgot to mention the bird people uh, declare Topol to be their ruler uh, as a as as in gratitude for yeah yeah James is <laughs> gratitude for teaching them literacy and it really does fe yeah exactly Owain no we're we're going out there a hundred percent it's it's very <laughs> it smells a lot like imperialist ex exploration and 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 these explorers yeah. coming back and saying well. They're just they're just so, you know, crude over there and they didn't even know how to write or we taught them how to talk or, you know, they didn't even understand mm. clothing. And and uh, and and they made us their king and give us gave us all of these valuable things and so on. And I mean, obviously, we find out, you know, thousands of years later that what happened is they just fucking burnt everything and stole shit and killed everybody and then came back. And. Uh, that it turns out these Imperial Explorers were absolute bastards, and uh, even if they weren't, the people who came afterwards certainly were. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what Topol the Pilot smells like. Um, that could be, I, I just want to say this, that could be a reaction from the audience. That could just be me, because in mm -hmm. the context of the Elder Scrolls universe, to the best of my knowledge, there are no documents that accuse Topol the Pilot of being a son of a bitch. Well, no. But, yeah. Mm -hmm. Topol the Pilot is, like, in terms of real world um, analog, very much a celebrity, legendary figure 
Um, he's clearly meant to be a Christopher Columbus analog. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, with regards to like bird people, this is this is another thing to sort of touch on that point you were making earlier, Chris, about critical uh, mirror theory explorers and and what they you know claim to see with other people. Um, that's also a result of the explorers or the imperialists, however you want to define them. That's also a result of them being unable to fully articulate what they're seeing because it is so new to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. This is why, like before, like people kind of forget that um, uh, certain colors weren't invented until like we eventually had the words or we associated them with a fruit. Like that's actually where orange comes right. from. Before the Middle English word was like yellow red. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Which and is so it could very Germanic of us, I think. Yeah. Um the, <laughs> who's the ancient who's the ancient Greek who was ranting about a wine dark sea as opposed to, you know, purple. Right. right? Yeah. So like yeah. there's 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 instances of that where you don't fully know what you're looking at because your worldview and your experience and some totality of human knowledge is very limited, especially at this point in time, when objectively, again, in the terms of the Elder Scrolls universe. The universe is kind of just only starting to figure itself out. So it's like, right. wait, who are these people? Where are they? What, yeah, what's going on? Magic anymore? What's <laughs> yeah. the sun? It's the giant fuck you hole in the sky. Like it's <laughs> it's a whole bunch of different things. And so, Topol the pilot is, you know, like yeah, he could very well just as easily be like, yeah, you know what? I claim these lands in the name of uh, all all elfdom. Like, do okay, you have cool, have you got the flag? Right, bastard. <laughs> but yeah. it could also be a case of him being like man, we saw some bird people. And meanwhile, the bird people were just like, dude, no, it's just that like, we don't know what mining is. And (laughs) like the really pretty colors of different tropical birds, because this is a jungle. So it's Mm -hmm. like status and symbol and power and wealth. So it's just, yeah, we, we like feathers. So we, we wear them to show off our wealth. This is our form of cultural wealth. And he's like, man, they just really liked birds. They must really like Ariel, right? Right. Like, yeah, it's that limited perspective. Mm-hmm. It's the it's uh, so the the bird people themselves. Some people have speculated. I, I think in the lore community, I don't think in game, but some people have speculated in the lore community that the bird people were actually the uh, aliens because yeah. the aliens did have I, a fascination with mm-hmm. um, Ariel and they depicted Ariel as a bird. Hmm? Well, that, that's typical for most. I elves, dis- I disagree with that. Right. Uh, yeah, and there's I, a good I, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, actually, um, uh, yeah. uh, you, you go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why, why is yeah, that? Why is my, that bullshit? My reasoning for that. <laughs> I think James is lagging. Because of the timelines. Um, mm-hmm. Because Topol is considered to be an old man and is supposedly the first discoverer of Tamriel, right. which means that he would have found Tamriel before the aliens would have left. Um, so the theory goes because it, it depends. It depends on what you view the alien exodus as, if I'm honest. Because there are some accounts that say that they left and they functioned as a colony of Somerset, with Somerset acting as the metropole, um, and that and that sort of thing. But you've also got some accounts that say um, say that some that the aliens were a bunch of Daedra worshippers who left because they wanted to be able to worship Daedra. Um, but um, that was fifty shades of Valoth. Yeah, that wasn't the whole of it. Um, that that that's that certainly wasn't a big enough deal. I don't. I, I have real issues trying to place when the aliens and and the Kaima left because um, there are some accounts that say that Trinomac opposed Veloth in the Dawn era. Some say the Middle Merithic. Um, 
and that means and so but if they were if they were willing to try and stop the Kaima from leaving where um what does that mean for the aliens we don't have any record of anything like Trinomac saying no you cannot leave to the aliens yeah so does that mean that that the Velothi left first and everyone thought, woo, we'd better not try and stop anyone leaving, otherwise bad stuff's going to happen to us? <laughs> or, or was it something that, or was there something about the Velothi that made the way that they left different or the reasons for them leaving different? Which, um, yeah. in that's the, the most obvious um, example of that is Daedra worship. Right. Um, and which also meant that the aliens who left would not have been um, would not have been um, Daedra worshippers. Um, and also the text that claims that this happens in the Dawn era, that makes a whole heap more sense if you've got Boethia and Trinomac literally stomping around and discussing stuff. Mm-hmm. But also um, um, yeah. <clears throat> yep. But well to, to to add to that and to both like reinforce the point you're making, but also share kind of my view on the whole thing, mm-hmm. is um the difference between the Chimer and the um aliens is at least in terms of my understanding it's possible that i'm incorrect here but my understanding was that the aliens again really venerating ariel were originally very much like you know if you want to call it a a colony of somerset and uh, the altmer um and worshiping the traditional like ancestor gods of yeah. like finaster xarxes ariel etc um what happened was eventually, like, the Daedra were like, you know, I feel like these aliens here in the Heartland are really corruptible. If we offer them power so that they can play it off of each other, we'll just get a ton of new worshippers, lunar currency and all that. And uh, the aliens went and they said, boy, you know what? Actually, this is a really good deal. I like this. And that's why that hmm. changed. And the other difference between why it was kind of like there isn't that same distinction between well, how come, you know, the the quote-unquote aliens got to worship Daedra, but uh, the Dunmer or the Chimer had to make a whole stink about it? The Chimer also had the three good Daedra on their side to basically ensure that what happened happened, because, like, 4D chests in the whole Oblivion sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, for me, has always been the distinction, is that the aliens were not like, oh, well, we're leaving because we want to worship Daedra. It was more... Hey, have you heard about the Daedra lately? It's kind of good. Like that's kind of how it feels. It's like right. It feels like the Chimer mm. were the people who were um, just saying like, no, like screw you, people. Daedra good. We're literally taking our toys. Like we're gonna have a new pantheon with blackjack and hookers. And hookers yep. Whereas the aliens were more like the people who found the conspiracy theories online or in the dream sleeve <laughs> and said, you know what? These are actually kind of making sense. And so <laughs> aliens are that's on. why right. they, they shifted away from that. And then someone said, I was like, yeah, no, I don't know. They're dead to me. now. I don't talk mm. to them. Um, that's my understanding of the distinction. Well, Baca had well, a very I, interesting point in chat, which was the idea that maybe one of them left like the Chimer and then the aliens left afterwards. And then uh, everybody in Altmaris, everybody in Somerset, I was like, okay, that's it. Nobody else. Nobody else mm-hmm. is going anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, and, then, um, yeah. and Doc, Doc, um, Doc is saying something in chat that I was going to come in mm-hmm. with that the aliens were very much started as old colonists of um, um, of the Heartlanders, right? Um, but which is um, which is basically that the um, there were there is some text somewhere that says that um, the um, the elves of Cyrod were um, were communicating with with Somerset. They still paid some degree of tribute to Eleanor. Oh. Um, so there was some connection there. It wasn't the total, we want nothing to do with you of the Chimer, 
which mm. make which is why I think to bring it back to Topol uh, that um, that the bird people and the aliens can't be the same thing because mm-hmm. Topol would have known about them and Topol right. wouldn't have been the first person to discover it if they if they've got a colony there already then they don't then Columbus is kind of like coming along after the thirteen. Um, 13 colonies are established and right. say, oh, I've discovered this place. <laughs> but, yeah. no, which yeah. doesn't work. There, it turns out there are these people called Americans there, and they are awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm bad, but yeah. boy. But my God, have you seen what they call tea over there? Boy. <laughs> Um, but, yep. uh, like on, on, on that note again, like to actually focus on Topol the pilot and mm-hmm. like imperialism and discovery, it does feel like the early history of Tamriel outside of like the indigenous netic peoples, um, which again, is like that whole, that brings us to Atmora and humans coming from there. But like, anyway, um, it does feel like Somerset Isle is doing the exploration thing it's also part of why they had conflict with the the sea elves of the mayormer in pandonia uh-huh. and um the whole uh-huh. elven thing is that it seems that they just kind of spread out in all directions to like see like okay where where does this coast go um although it seems curiously they stopped at argonia because like i don't know the yeah. exact path of the camera like was it overland or did they just say no you know what i'm out and then like sail all around and then that brings in questions mm. of the hiss. Um, With the Chimer, if, if I understood correctly, my, my interpretation was that they went northerly over Skyrim. Yeah, yeah. That, that like, was that's I, just I, I could be completely wrong, but that's just what my, my gut my, told me. My interpretation was like, um, like the the way I understand it in my mind, and this is potentially entirely wrong, is that again, like uh, to, to remind people, is all this stuff is happening in the Marathic era. And the first era starts with the establishment of the Cameron dynasty in Valen. Valen Wood. Right. Um, and so that to me is like, that's kind of the start of proper Tamrielic history, as well as crucially, like really solidified elven differences post Marathic era. Yeah. So before this is just like a bunch of different elven colonies. And we kind of see evidence of this in the, what passes for a historical record in Tamriel, where you know, oh, look, the, the elves set up colonies all along the coast of Hammerfell. It was very desolate, but there were elven colonies there. Uh, there was the Coralania Aeliad clan and other parts of, like, the southeastern parts of Hammerfell. And, uh, you know, they were also in, like, parts of northern Valenwood and in parts of Argonia. And, oh, look, we also have the Dereni now setting up around Balfiera Island and the Dawn Tower. Um, and, oh, look, we're sailing up, you know, the Nibbin River, and now we got colonists there. So it's kind of just, like, Okay, so there's clearly some kind of outwardly coastal colonial expansion and along major rivers. Mm-hmm. Um, then curiously, again, like it seems like the record starts to get really fuzzy around Skyrim and Argonia. Right. Um, my understanding was like, and especially because <clears throat> there's like a, a couple of frescoes you can see in the Elder Scrolls theme Morrowind that show Veloth leading a bunch of people. Um, and it seems like it's overland towards Red Mountain. It seems that way, um, but that could just be the that could just be the metaphor of the myth. Yeah, yeah, I I know, and 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 I'm willing to accept that. But to me, it's also just like so. Yeah, like actually, how did the Chimer leave? Did they sail? Did they walk over land? Like what? I want I want to know the actual Villoff trajectory. The, the like, Red I want sea. to know the forty <laughs> years in the desert of the Chimer, right? Like he just said, "Let my people go," and then just yeah, that's what happened. I saw it. It, 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 was, it was in that movie with. Uh, that, 
Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. But, yeah. Um, but I'm pretty sure that there. Um, I'm pretty sure that. I'm pretty sure that there was a. Um, that there's, I. Um, or at least in the in, at least in Dunmary mythology, talking about Veloth. Um, I think it's the book. Is it is it Veloth? Book Veloth the Pilgrim or something? But they talk about. Or something like, or, or something like um, um, Veloth's judgment, talking about how he got his hammer or something, and they t- yeah. and it's talking about um, how he basically they were they were stopped by a glacier somewhere, um, and which I was the only think would happen if they went through Skyrim. Um, so there was obviously a fairly long overland trek. But the Velothi Mountains are named after Veloth, and those are the mountains that yes. um, pass by uh, the eastern or like northeastern part. Of Cyrodiil. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. So, like, Hmm. you could have glaciers there. I know we associate glaciers with, like, Skyrim, like, very northerly stuff. But at the same time, I'm like, they're the Velothi Mountains all along the eastern edge. But then it's like that range also goes up and forms part of the border with Skyrim. You see why I actually want, like, a detailed map and route of, like, so which way did these, like, fuckers go? I want to (laughs) know. You basically want the appendix yeah. that's in any decent study Bible that points out the chart of where all where the Exodus went and to all of the various ancient cities that mm-hmm. they conquered after they got through. So yeah, maybe yeah. they went diagonal. They went yeah. southwest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they listen. Fuck you. They yeah. went to Hammerfell first, and they said, "You know what? No, this sucks." And that's how they crossed over to Skyrim and then the mounds. That there yeah, we yeah. go. That's what happened. They, they went to Hammerfell, to to Hammerfell and they're like, nobody they wants said, to live no. here. It sucks. Ooh, shit sucks. <laughs> but then they, so, so, they, so they saw Badlands and Desert and said, well, too bad. They too, saw too much. <laughs> and Ashlands and said, ah, perfect. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah, live in no, a place jo- where it's, that's literally on fire and that's yeah. better than the desert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> jo- 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 Johnny has posted a, fa- um, a source in chat. According to contemporary texts, he, that is Veloth, Mm-hmm. Spared not a boat, ration, or strong-armed soul among his people in this exodus, and toiled to reach the land of Resdane, uh, which kind of implies boat. that he, which kind of implies that they knew about it beforehand as well. So again, that's another thing saying that this exodus is post-Topol. That's well, yeah, um, uh, which is well, funny because it, it, it's supposed to be post-Topol, but Topol definitely says Marethic era and the. Yep. At least UESP is suggesting that the Chimer Exodus started in the Dawn era. So, yeah, you've got one text that says Dawn and what some that say, says no. and some that say Middle Marithic. No, God guys, we talked about this before, right? Time is a fuck. It goes back. <laughs> That's right. So if Topol's like first. Then actually, yeah, it totally did actually happen oh. in the Dawn era, but yeah. because it goes backwards, uh, it's like, right. yeah, no, it's like, here's the thing that totally definitely happened um, in our past, which is technically 2,500 years in the future. That's why the Morethic era is is the years go backwards. It's because they go backwards because it actually goes forwards. When you're reading the Morethic era, you have to read it like Japanese manga. You re- you, you start at the, at the, at the right hand side and go left. That's, that's how it works. Uh, uh, <laughs> I <laughs> no And then you meet the tentacles. Right, exactly. The one thing that puts <laughs> a hole in all of that. <laughs> the one thing that puts a hole in all of that is that there are no dates for any of this. Right. So going yeah. backwards isn't really an option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. 
Yeah. Also, yeah. but like again, to, yeah, to take it but, to a slightly bit more serious place is again in yeah. the Dalinar and stuff. We knew that the towers were created, and the elves had some, or well, I shouldn't say elves, but like ancestors of elves, Elnafe had some part to play in this, and so that could be a kind of cultural memory. So they know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. so like you know, they 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 killed the evil asshole Lorcan. His heart couldn't be destroyed, so you know, Ariel gets his bow and fires it east which is why we have the star wounded east so that's why we know resdane exists who lives there don't know don't care haven't been there yet because i mean yeah whatever but that could be like part of why it's like so they know yeah this is the stuff that's there like it's part of the historical or cultural record as it were Mm -hmm. um but again i also stand by the whole if dates go backwards Ah. that's why chimer exodus technically happened in the dawn era but Toby's right. like, ah, oh, nothing's here yet. It's like, time <laughs> 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 is a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's actually a thing, because the, the records from the monomyths um, say, that, um, say that a mountain blew up around Lorcan's heart, but mm-hmm. they couldn't know that if they didn't know Tamriel was already a thing. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, because Tamriel was created so the by the by the Aedra, which are their ancestors. Like yeah. Aedra is ancestors, Daedra is not our ancestors, and so that splits and descends yeah. into the Elnafe, and then the the wandering Elnafe and the Elnafe who decided I hate walking. Um, and so that's how we get men and elves. So, so like, yeah, that, that's why there's that cultural memory because technically their ancestors, like or some people's ancestors, <clears throat> created the goddamn world. So it's right. like you know. When I was your age, we didn't have no uh, fancy highfalutin linear time. We had to create towers, you little bastard. It's like, okay, <laughs> thanks, Grandpa. Yeah, we know. Yeah. But I wore an onion, but, which yeah, was a fashion in those days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's in that case, how much was Topol expecting all this? Because, um, because, um, because if you're talking about the stories of, that have been that have been told of of, of the Elnafe and all this that and the other, um, um, Al Almeris was supposedly a continent-spanning city, right? Um, and right. So, um, but then you've also got Almeris, you've also got Somerset, um, which doesn't have any volcanoes. So you've got to have people thinking, well, where on earth did all this stuff happen? And I mean, uh, casting aside for the or rather the idea of Old Meris is Tamriel, but that 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 must make some real kind of cognitive dissonance that that this is um, that if they are retelling those events and talking about the place where the war happened, um, and particularly if you're going into the ideas of Oriel losing the Elder Wood to men, um, losing Old Mora to men. Um, then you've also got the idea of that they must have already known that these other land masses existed. So Tolpol, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'm smearing him by saying this, but I, I, I'm happy to. But he, he obviously must have known about this stuff existing to some degree anyway. If he was going to sail to it. Yeah. yeah. It's just a question of where. I mean, he was supposedly setting out to find old, 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 old Elnafe, to find Old Meris. And they were, and they were basically the the story goes that they said, right, you go right, you go north, you go west, you go east, you go south. That they set out in a whole bunch of different directions, which says to me they have no idea where any of this stuff is. So either they they are so divorced from what's gone on before, um, um, and how they're processing that, 
or there's something else going on and they knew what they were go- roughly what they were going to find they just didn't want to i i have a hot take maybe topo was just like uh the son of some wealthy altmer and he had a really bad breakup and so he did what all wealthy young white people in america do is they take a year going to, to go find themselves in a third world country oh oh, oh yeah yeah well yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I'm discovering so much. It's like, you're not discovering shit. You're, just you're, on you're staying in a hotel. You're, you're, you're just like <laughs> trying to find yourself. Like, this, yeah. yeah. Just not, be honest about it. Not quite. Because um, the, well, the, the, the song says that there were four ships that were, they, they, were, they were kind of directed by globes or something. Or um, I, can't, I can't quite remember. Um, but they were. You're talking they about were, Father um, of the Niven? Yeah. Yes. They said that they were going from, or that there was some sort of, there was some sort of wayfinding technology that they were using that was kind of broken or only semi-working. Uh, the um, uh, clairvoyance spell in Skyrim? No. <laughs> the living definition of a guidance spell that's semi-broken. Um. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm going outside of the game mechanics law here, damn it. Oh, yeah, I mean, right. The two aren't mutually exclusive, but hey. Um, I'm trying to find the what they... Uh, Somebody in chat's probably already... No? Okay. Yeah, they're kind um, of, there's some kind of waypoint thing or something. Pointing waste um, was to follow the northeast pointing yeah. waystone. There oh. you go. Okay. Oh, they were literally just the kind of a set, um, kind of a, a, a cross between a compass mm. and a GPS. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Kind of hmm. pick your direction and you're going to go that way. Um, which I'm, I'm sure I remember finding somewhere that those waystones can, can actually be used to find your way back, but there was a whole bunch of them that were broken, which meant they couldn't find old Meris again. Um, well, I've always, like, the, my understanding of old Meris is that it was an idea rather than a little literal yeah. physical place. Um, but now in the talk of, like, you know, how do they forget? And, like, if this is where all the war happened in Tamriel, um, and it's the arena because of all the conflict. Maybe, you know, oh, like big brain aliens kind of moment. Maybe Tamriel was Aldemaris, but the war destroyed the city that was Tamriel, which is Dawn's beauty. And it's the beauty of all the Dawn era. But then we fucked it up and we caused all the war. And maybe that's like a thing. It was so destructive. It like just eradicated just many parts of the quote-unquote continent-spanning city, and that's yep. why Aldmeris no longer exists. That is precisely the narrative that the Anuad is pushing. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, the, the <clears throat> quote is literally, the old Elnafe realm, though ruined, became Tamriel. Um, mm-hmm. Which, um, if that's true, then we know absolutely nothing about Aldmeris beforehand, because if Aldmeris was a, a, huge, a huge city then wouldn't we expect Tamriel to be covered in vast amounts of ruins from beforehand? And it's not covered in that much ruin. But, uh, mm, 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 mm. You say that, but, Mm -hmm. sir, have you considered literal mounds were created when they fired a goddamn heart of an unkillable god across it and then Mm. lifted his corpse into the sky as a goddamn warning? The landscape was changed because of dawn magics. Yeah, it was the, uh, um, I think, I don't remember where I got this from, but it was supposed to be the, 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 the fighting of God, of ancient gods or what created the world, the land, I think it was either that or the seas. I can't remember which one it was. It was either that 
Tamriel was all land, and then the fighting yes. of gods created the seas. That's what it was. It okay. was yes, that's what it was. It was that the the, the Elnathay wars created the oceans. Right. Okay. There, there, there were there were interspersed seas, but no oceans. To quote right. again, again, Wait, again, it's no, the, again, it's the Anuad. Then we have to talk about memory. That means they created memory of water and the seas are memory. Yeah, of course. By yeah, well, by as, creating as, a, the events to, for people to remember, they created okay, memory. Okay, I got you now. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, if, All right. If, it tracks. If, if, if events events for events for <clears throat> people to remember and a lot of people dying. Yeah. Yeah. Is the second element to that. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, so, uh, Father of the Nibin has a bunch of text in it. It's a long one. And, um, it's just Topol lying, maybe? Like, well, <laughs> thankfully, it's most, thankfully, it's mostly very poetic descriptions of the land that Topol uh, traveled through and very uh, evocative descriptions. No passage westward could be found in the steely cliffs that jutted up like giant's jaw. So the Nibin sailed south. As it passed a sandy, forested island that promised sanctuary and peace, the crew cheered in joy. Then exultation turned to terror as a great shadow rose from the, from the trees on leathered wings like an unfurling cape. The great bat lizard was as large as the ship, but good pilot Topo merely raised his bow and struck it in the head. As it fell, he asked the bosun, do you think it's dead? And, and before it struck the white-bearded waves, he shot once more a heart to, he shot once more its heart to be certain. And for another 40 days and six, the Niven sailed south. So it's, yep. yeah, it's, it's a lot of uh, evocative imagery and poetry and et cetera, et cetera. And apparently he killed a dragon. Also, yeah, well, yeah. And, and that again brings back to that point I was talking <clears throat> earlier about, you know, oh, wine, dark seas and yellow red is like, they had no word for dragon. So it was bat lizard because they had bats and lizards. So it's like, Ah, what yeah. is it? I don't know. It's like a bat. No, it's a lizard. Ah, it's a bat well, lizard. Ah. The author, <laughs> the author of Father of the Niven actually says, it is tempting to imagine it a dragon, but the creature that Topol faces at the beginning of this fragment sounds like an ancestor of the cliff racer, a pres present day Morrowind. In that case, we have to thank Topol a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> we all owe him a great debt. Yes. Like, like, not gonna lie, just as a sign of, of, you know, the times in my generation playing Morrowind first, as soon as you said Cliff Racer, in my head, I just heard the, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I just immediately was like, oh, God, Jesus, <laughs> the PTSD yeah. of looking behind me all the time and going, there's nothing there, there's nothing there, and then what the fuck, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, the the that that one mod that I love that someone made where you kill a cliff a cliff racer two more. <laughs> that was Train Whiz. I'm not fucking kidding. That was Train Whiz that did that shit. Or the oh, the, yeah. the, the, oh. the duplicating. Uh, 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 yeah. Well, oh, was... God bless Train Whiz. I know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He's a hero. Yeah. Um. Yes. So, uh, not the so, hero we need, but the hero but we the, deserve. The hero we, we earn every day that we shit post in true uh, true STL. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, so, we have fun here. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, uh, uh, there's a lot to say about Topol's discovery of the eight islands and his uh, interaction with the bird people, um, who are no longer around, from what we can figure out. And uh, the reason why I say there's a lot to take from that is that there's the gift of literacy that he brings them, um, which is a, a heavy, heavy thing in mythology. Uh, when you when you talk about um, in in various myths 
for example, um, Nordic myth, you've got uh, Odin sacrificing an eye and hanging himself from a tree for, I don't remember how long, seven days or something like that, or seven years, or I can't remember, um, to, uh, to basically kill himself so that he can get the, um, uh, so that he can learn uh, runes. Which uh, many people yep. interpret as being uh, nine days. Thank you. Uh, it, which many people interpret as the invention of literacy, literacy of uh, of, of the, the invention of a written language. Um, I think it was. Uh, this might be coming from American gods, but I think it was. Uh, some people are interpreting it as just learning magic spells, but I'm willing to well, be wrong okay, about that. Because because if if my limited knowledge um, serves me correctly. Runes in Norse were both a way of like uh, communicating language, but also like for imbuing like swords and stuff with magical spells, yeah. warnings, yeah. charms, etc. So it was, and they were used for divination. Fold. Yeah, they have yeah. a lot to do with like, Eln effects in that respect. That it's it's um, yeah uh, that 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 words carry power and etc. Um, and in in, in mm -hmm. for the, I I don't remember anybody inscribing Eln effects on anything, but um, you know. Come on, ESO, get around to it. Uh, so, well, hey, new crafting you, skill for us got, to grind. Um, you know. You've also got um, you've also got the dragon language in Skyrim and Eskrimor as the first human historian because he wrote stuff down. Yeah. Um, as well, so I think which that like is great. He's a, he's a warrior, but he's also you know clearly a scholar. Well, you know, a warrior poet. We get a lot of those. Um, and the, uh, the, war, the warrior poet Eskrimor. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh the the first human VTuber. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that. Oh, I, yeah. I, I I I want to numinate that so hard. Yeah. Um <laughs> was in, in, inspired by the Mara, not dragons. Uh, yeah. Uh yes. Is that right? That sounds well, right. It depends. You've you've yeah, you've um there's um the book that talks about it um is says that um Eskrimor is um basically <clears throat> um basically writes down is the wording. Um or something like that. Hmm. He was using he was using a Moorish formulation to do it, um is is the thing. Hmm. Um which is a bit weird given that you already had dragon cuneiform, but the 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 real world explanation for that is because dragon language was not a thing, but when that text was written, the written um, dragon language. But, um, it feels like, um, he's yeah. Okay. Well, no, it's no, it's yeah, it's because it, it was written pre Skyrim, so they hadn't developed the cuneiform stuff oh. to represent um, Dovazol yet. Roger that. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it, it kind of makes sense that. Um, from a real world perspective as, as to why that is but it also it diminishes nordic um heritage and at more heritage to a degree if you think that's what at, um what mm -hmm. Eskrimor actually did because i'm fairly certain there's some evidence to say that that Eskrimor was a dragon cultist um give, given the time frame yeah. um so um so he should have developed it based on draconic rather than Murish, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. And also now I think about it, just getting back to 
to Topol, this idea of kind of establishing legitimacy and using things like written language to do that. Um, potentially what's happening is that Topol, or the, the ballad at least, um, just to get properly revisionist conspiracy theory, yeah. um, is <laughs> not actually drafted by Topol at all, but drafted by, by an alien who is trying to establish some precedent for Moorish dominance oh. over the eight islands around... Um, around oh, well, we uh, discovered it. The mayor discovered these eight islands, and therefore we own them, air quotes. Hmm. Yeah. That does sound like something the, uh, the, 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 the aliens would do, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure that it's... Well, it, it depends on where... I don't know if we get an account on where the ballad came from, because then we get traces of the ballad in Cyrodiil rather than in Somerset, and um, I don't know whether the I don't know whether the ballad is something that you could tie to somewhere like First Hold, um, just because that feels like roughly the sort of place that would produce that sort of thing um, in the Somersets, but it it, fe it feels it feels like it could be a post hoc justification for something. Um, Apparently, the Crystal Tower of Somerset Isle has his crude but fascinating maps, according to maps. Uh, Father of the Nibin. So yes. one would assume that that's also where they got the poems from. Yes, the translation of the Aldmeri Udhendra Nibinu is the untranslated title. So, you know, it kind of sounds like the Aldmer had this. Oh, okay. So it does <clears throat> come from Somerset. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. I do okay. love point, the idea that withdrawal. this is this is a complete work of fiction from, by uh, by uh, by the uh, 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 by the Heartland Elves, though. That's a that's a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> the um. So, uh, so. What I would also kind of like to ask chat and everybody on this call in general is, can anybody think of any other characters in the Elder Scrolls universe that are considered explorers? Uh, While you think about that, I'm going to go take a leak. It kind of depends because like, okay. In a way, we have evidence of so many explorers because we're told to follow in their footsteps. Like, oh, we got to, oh, look, for, for example, um, an example that's coming to mind that everyone should be familiar with is Blackreach in Skyrim, where something lost time and seemingly memory, but oh, look, there it is, unique, and there's a dwarven city and stuff. Oh, you found Blackreach hidden deep beneath here. So, there's people exploring Dwemer ruins and new areas of the land. In terms of like who we have as a kind of nautical explorer, the only other people coming to mind are like sort of, but not really Isgrimor because of uh, like leaving at Mora yeah. and going to Skyrim. But that's more of like, here's a place we found now. Let's live there. It's not so much. Let's explore what we know about the place. Uh, um, otherwise, it does seem to be like maybe just the Dreni who kind of explored yeah. around the coast. And we're like, yeah, we can totally conquer this with magic and establish a hegemony. This is awesome. And then finally, of course, the Red Guards, who that's, are arguably a late addition, 
to, you know, oh, look, we found this and we're exploring around yeah. the coast to see how much we can grab. So in terms of like purely an exploration mission, yeah, not much is um, coming to mind except for like whoever it is who's mentioned in um, this. I think it's someone I could be wrong in, uh, I think, Pocket Guide to the Empire First Edition. Uh, when they're talking about like the mm-hmm. the colonies and like Almer's sunships and stuff, uh, and like the what it, was it the imperial Uh-oh. the the Riemann imperial lunar colony of Tattered Amalian or something like that. I don't think Tattered gets mentioned by name, but there's the, there is the there is the Roman era Mananauts and the Sunbirds of Alanor, good yeah. and all that stuff. So you've got the explora- you've got the exploration of a, of Aetherius and Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a whole bunch fired off by Tor in chat, but yeah, I'm the, seeing that. the one, the one that kind of comes to mind for me is like depend. It it depends on whether you mean it's cut. There's no real explorer sense in the sense of I'm going to go off and find new horizons and mm-hmm. go somewhere where no mer has gone before, and that kind of that kind of bold frontier stuff. Um. That doesn't really seem to exist, but there are people who say, ah, oh, we're just going to leave and go somewhere else. That That's just that those sort of migrant patterns seem to be a thing because the, yeah. the Dereni did it, the Sijix did it, the ancestors of the Bodmus, Bosmus supposedly did it, if you believe the accounts in the pocket guide. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of people leaving for reasons other than exploration. Um, it's, um, another thing I remembered is... Um exploration was basically a part of why um what's it there uh kathnoke or kathnoque and um the other islands where the uh the batmer lived oh yeah uh, the, Uneslia, the ice cream isles um, yeah in Inesli or in yeah. Inesli, yeah. Inesli, I, yeah. I don't know i'd have to ask ifw how to pronounce it yeah 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 but, the- um, that that for me is like those are Two other things that we know, like Imperials ex- uh, were exploring here, and then they set up a colony, and then the colony fell into disrepair. And blah blah blah. Yes, yeah, but that yeah, that was um, basically Uriel the Fifth trying to set up supply stations. Is the way I read that. Um, For conquest, well, attempted conquest of Akavir. <laughs> yes, if he was actually doing the sensible thing, he would have loaded up a whole bunch of stuff going through those islands and making sure there was. Uh, there was a ton of a uh, ton of regular supply chains rather than trying to do the thing in a few years. Johnny's right. There are a couple of NPCs that you meet in ESO that consider themselves explorers. One of them in particular is a repeat character who calls himself a calls himself an explorer, but you, you discover that he's really just there for the loot. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, but also, Chris, while we were away, I just sort of mentioned how like to an extent there are people and like explorers in terms of exploring uh, or, or like rediscovering old areas. So for example, black reach and that whole right. part of um, Skyrim and like the, the, uh, the Ethereum quest that you can do in yeah. um, Skyrim is like, Oh wow. It's like been lost forever. Wow. We found this whole new thing, this new, like previously unknown city of the dwarves kind of thing. So that's like a part of exploration. So yeah, but mm. again, it's sort of like how yeah, you to define it's it. It's difficult. They're like, yeah, like, like where's yeah. the line? Like, I, where's the line in that case between um, archaeology and exploration? Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm. yeah. There's um, th- there are 
I, I guess you could call them archaeologists, sort of, in the Elder Scrolls universe. The problem is that in the Elder Scrolls universe, archaeologists and explorers are frequently just kind of there for the loot. And, um, yeah. uh, or, or they, they, they have a goal of beyond just simply uncovering lost information or knowledge or, or discovering things about people who aren't around anymore. Um, there's usually, yeah, Tomb Raiders, the there's some stuff kind of about a... Egypt was, yeah. Hmm? What, what did you think all of the stuff about Britain and mucking around with Egypt was? It's, oh, yeah, yeah. There's, 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 there is very rarely a pure archaeologist. Mm-hmm. Um, in in history, anyway, um, it's always kind of what can we do to sell this, or who can we, um, what can we do to kind of prop up something? Yeah, um, it's, so. it's 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 a form of imperialism as well, right? Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like as as amazing as the British Museum is, and I'd love to visit one day. It's basically the British, like the British Empire, saying, "Look at how much of the world we conquered. Look mm-hmm. at all this yeah. stuff that we can bring from the corners of our empire." Just cower in fear, you fucking pathetic proles. Look at how awesome I am. We, we've like, conquered some really great places. Like. Gosh, aren't we swell? Yeah. <laughs> Mo- and that's, most, um, most common holiday, most common celebration and holiday around the world is independence from the British. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, good. We, the, like the British gave us everybody something to celebrate. celebrate as like, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, big the celebration. Bringing people States together. From the British. <laughs> Yeah, well, what can I say? We're just not that likable. What, what can I say? You went on a mad quest for tea and got all this. Yeah, yeah. This is what we have yeah, now. That's the tea that, must flow. Have you that, tried to get over a caffeine withdrawal headache? I mean, come on. In, yeah, okay. in our defense, point, caffeine point headaches taken, are a still bitch. Think it's just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's um yeah, that's right. Some people have had independence from the Ottomans. Yeah. Um various eastern cultures, uh, Japan, China and so on have a bunch of independence days that they celebrate from independence from each other. Mm-hmm. Um Japan's all remember that time China invaded and China's like remember that time Japan invaded and Vietnam's like hello. Um so it's ooh. Ooh. That right there, folks. That's love. That's that's nummies. <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what that is, James, but you need to show the the, the you need to show chat now. <laughs> Potato wedges and chicken. I'm sorry. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> that sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so um, it's actually one of the one of the more interesting things about like the British Empire that I like to read about is what they were doing when they got to these places. Like like I mean we sort of make we we sort of like poke fun at like the British fascination with tea. It wasn't just Britain though. I mean it was it was yeah, you know true. it was a lot of cultures. It was a whole European thing. It, well, well, Europe and and Asia and but the but what mm. I one of the questions that I have like for as far as history goes is trying to find out um all the the ripples of tea trade and like, you know, like for example, was, was, uh, the Chinese tea trade, um, uh, something that they were, uh, uh, really focused on and, and put a lot of effort into because of how profitable it was because they were trading with other countries. So was it like, or, or was it profitable because well, of what they were, because of their value in it? Does that make sense? 
Like, yeah. But, so but, I mean, I actually, I actually know a bit about this. Like, oh, really? You want oh. me to go on a rant on it? Or yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what? Why would we stay Please, on topic? Dude. So yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. So okay. So unfortunately, yeah, I'm and actually sugar really and tobacco. happy that someone brought up the Ottomans because the Ottomans are unfortunately the reason why European imperialism, as we know it, exists today. Hmm. Um, the Ottomans actually cut off the flow of trades from the East into Europe, and so this pissed off a lot of people. But okay. it made the the famous Italian merchant republics of the Renaissance, Venice and Genoa, super goddamn rich. But everyone else in Europe was like, how come the Italians, these two little Italian states get to have all the fun? We want our fun. And so this is where the idea of exploration came around. And so the first to do this were the Portuguese. The Portuguese were the ones who did like coastal exploration around Africa, setting up a whole bunch of um, trading posts, what they called feitorias. And these were all along like various parts of Africa and also India. So they eventually found their way over to India and like the Maluka, otherwise known as the Spice Islands. And so this was their thing. And so this is why Columbus actually initially went to the Portuguese because they had all the experience with sailing and navigation. He said, oh. hey, please finance my voyage, to, like try and find a route just heading west. And they said, dude, we already have like, oh, yeah. the, like around <laughs> Africa trade route. We're good. We're good. So he went to the, he, so he went to the, um, he went to what were known as like the Catholic monarchs of Spain, because Spain wasn't fully unified just yet, of Ferdinand and Isabella. And so he goes to the kingdom of Castile and says, hey, finance my expedition. They initially say no. And he comes again and is like pretty pleased. And they say, OK, if you'll leave us alone, fine. And that's how he eventually goes and discovers, again, not America, but the various like Taino and Arawak and Carib peoples of the Caribbean. Right. That's where the majority of his things uh, went. He also discovered, I think, um, the uh, the Azores and the Canary Islands, which is why the hmm. Canary Islands are still part of Spain to this day, but the Azores are Portuguese. Um, hmm. So that's where like the whole Columbus thing gets in. And so then what happens shortly after that is because it's basically just Iberia, which is super fucking Catholic, by the way, and this is relevant for what I'm about to say, um, that then results in the Pope creating and granting like papal... Um, like agreement or sign off onto what's known as the Treaty of Tordesillas, which splits the world into a Spanish and a Portuguese halves, oh, nice. which is why Portugal <laughs> got Brazil. It was only a tiny bit of Brazil and that changes, but that's not important to the story. So basically east of this line where Portugal got like a little bit of the new world, which was Brazil, and then like Africa and all the old world, the entire new Western hemisphere was supposedly reserved for the kingdom of Spain. Hey. Um, other European powers were understandably very miffed at this. The first people to really challenge this, because they're like, hey, we're also really good navigators, were the Dutch. The Dutch are absolute bastards because they're the ones who actually create modern day mercantile like capitalism, basically. So they're the real assholes who lead to all the terrible suffering we know. And so what the Port sorry, uh, what the what the Dutch did was that they basically just followed the Portuguese and just stole a bunch of their lands and colonies or set up their own in nearby areas. This is why, again, crucially, um, the Dutch basically stole sugar from Portuguese plantations and then brought them to Suriname and their other colonies in the Caribbean. So the Dutch are very much to blame for the starting of like the sugar trade and basically transatlantic slavery at that point right. from thenceforth forward. Mm -hmm. um, so that's number one reason why like the Dutch are bastards. Mm -hmm. Second reason why the Dutch are bastards is South Africa and all the terrible horrors and apartheid and comes from that. But again, crucially, oh, look, we have these areas that help us for our trade routes. Mm -hmm. Crucially, initially, they conquered uh, the island of Ceylon, which is what we now know as uh, Sri Lanka, the teardrop-shaped island off the southern coast of India. That was initially a Dutch colony. And then to the east of that, they got 
the jewel of the crown of the Dutch Empire, Indonesia, which included, oh. crucially, the Moluccas and the Spice Islands. They got those off of Portugal in exchange for Portugal getting East Timor. Again, reason number three, why the Dutch are goddamn bastards. <laughs> Amidst all of this, you had the Dutch East India Company that was basically creating the modern concept of capitalism of, okay, we all agree to pitch an X money, X percent of like money or whatever to acquire X number of shares. With those shares, we invest in these various enterprises or colonies, etc., in order to extract wealth from the natives. Guess who copied this to perfection afterwards? The British, who took most of the um, uh, Dutch colonies, especially after the wars with Napoleon, because oh. that's how long this was happening. So basically, so because the Dutch were conquered cats, by Napoleon during like his various like fuckery wars there in the 1800s and like late 1700s, um, what basically happens is um, the British said, "Okay, we're going to take over like these various other colonies for safekeeping," and they only gave back like two or three to the Dutch. Uh, that's why like South Africa was eventually British. Same with um, Ceylon slash Sri Lanka as well as like half of Guyana, which is why there's a British Guyana as opposed to it all being Dutch. Um, so that's what the British did. And they were copying again, the whole sort of thing like, Hey, we should have this kind of mercantile capitalism thing. And then they also just exported that to the rest of their colonies, America, 13 colonies, etc. real expansion of the slave trade then because cash crops could grow in America where there were lots of people. So this would enrich the British empire. The way this all interacts with China, though, and like the whole thing mm -hmm. of trying to find um, spices and trade routes, it's also why the Portuguese were, and the Dutch were the first to actually reach and trade with Japan. Um, mm -hmm. That's why they feature in Japanese history. No one else does until the Americans show up. Um, well, I think Japan didn't want anybody in, in, right? China. <clears throat> As well. Sorry? Mm. Good. Japan did. Yeah. Um, I was going to say the, the Dutch arrive after the Portuguese, um, yeah. but they basically. There, there, there was a bunch of shenanigans with um, getting provide getting provided with gunpowder and so on um, from from both um, du um, oh, yeah. dur during during this sort of time. And eventually, once they settled down, um, um, Oda, Oda Nobunaga, but um, I think it was him anyway, realizes, oh, hang on, these guys are providing us with some really useful stuff, but they're really wanting to meddle in our politics, and particularly the Portuguese were tying the. Um, yeah. We're tying the um, the um, the trade of the trade of guns and gunpowder and other useful bits and pieces with the adoption of Catholicism. So 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 not so um, so Nobunaga wanted pretty much nothing to do with that because he realised what that was doing, um, and so and so he um, got very very isolationist after that point, right. um, which is kind of <clears throat> around sixteen fifteen or so. Yeah, um, he just whereas, shut off all of Japan from everything. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, whereas the um, I think the the Portuguese arrival was around fifteen eighty something. Um, again, it's part of the age oh. of of exploration yeah. and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. again, to sort of actually tie all that, like now that we have all that historical context and why the Dutch are bastards and who started what and who copied what, mm -hmm. um, the way this interacts with China is that um, China was a good producer of fine products that were in high demand. So porcelain, tea. Um, and so uh, what ended up happening was China being, especially in terms of like the Asian sphere, in terms of like sea routes and overland routes, connecting it with the Middle East and whatnot, China was very much the center of economic activity for exporting things. And all they really wanted or needed from people was money and to just recognize Chinese superiority. Hence the idea of the kowtow or the koto, however it's 
pronounced where one must basically grovel in front of the Chinese um, emperor and just be like, oh, you are so wonderful and amazing. He's like, I know. Yes. Okay. You can have your precious little trade. Um, And so um, the problem for European powers was that they had, they being China had a bunch of stuff that they wanted, but China didn't really want anything from Europeans except for money, which under this emerging mercantile capitalism tied in with colonialism and imperialism, that did not fly with a lot of investors and aristocrats. It was like, but no, the money is for us. Don't you know you are Eastern heathens? Come on now. And so this all changed crucially when the British found out that the Chinese really loved opium. And the British controlled where the opium was being made. Mm -hmm. And so the British basically, like, still to this day, in terms of the amount of money and drugs involved, was the biggest drug dealer for a while there, Mm -hmm. where they flooded China with opium. And China was like, no, you can't do that. And then Britain basically fought a couple wars with them where they had the technological superiority because everyone had just basically been, you know, kowtowing to China. They had become just so arrogant in certain ways that uh you know these scrappy little brits from an island halfway around the world managed to beat them and extract concessions and this was a very big problem and so that's where again like china's century of humiliation begins um but that's why like the 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 problem with a lot of the the trade and like tea and stuff is people wanted tea they wanted porcelain they wanted artifacts they wanted silk right these were all the good fine refined things that china had um, and of course, like, you know, gunpowder and stuff like that. Um, these were all the things that China had that everyone else didn't. And so China was rather right to be arrogant of that for a while. It's like, look mm-hmm. at me, I got all this stuff. Um, and, you know, there's the Brits saying, I don't know, do you want like furs from Canada? We also got like lumber. Uh, and China, and the Chinese. Oh, we got like, a lot no, of maple man. syrup like, over here. We just, we just want your money. We just want your money and your leaders to grovel at the feet of our emperor. That's how our system works here. Mm -hmm. And to the Europeans, that was just fundamentally Mm -hmm. untenable. That's all the emperor wants. Just bend over for God's just, just, just kneel of it. It's all he wants. It's fine. It's fine. No, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Just bend over a little. That's all. Just Jesus. We get a lot for this. Just, just put your head against the floor. Come on. Yeah, but uh, (laughs) it it can happen. And so that's why, unfortunately, a lot of conflict and led to the center of humiliation was because um, all China wanted from Europeans was their money and they could control that because they had what they wanted. And that's why it led to like wars and conflicts and like the opium wars specifically. Um, and again, all that emerged from the Ottomans just being a dick one day and saying, you know what? I'm mad that the Europeans stymied me in my European expansion. So you know what? Fuck you. You're not getting your spices anymore. And the Portuguese said, I will literally sail around a continent to give you the middle finger. Yep. And the Spanish said, I'm going to literally change world history mm-hmm. and like quote-unquote discover america like the, it all comes from the ottomans being dicks mm-hmm. <laughs> i hate history <laughs> you know um, a lot about it considering is, you hate it <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah well they do say know your enemy um mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's what he means is silver. What Torta, is there a reason why the Chinese were particularly interested in silver or just because that was what they were using to um, print money at the time? 
which I think silver is, might was be basically what it is. the original fiat currency because gold was obviously the most valuable, but it was right. considered more rare. Silver is what you Egypt, actually do business gold with. Gold was so common that actually, like, yeah. um, platinum and silver were worth more in Egypt because those were more yeah. rare. Um, but everywhere yeah. else, silver was like something that was usually found in readily available amounts. Um, and uh, most cultures use this. <clears throat> it's also why in Spain, like we all we talk about, you know, oh, so much gold in Peru and in Mexico City. But at the same time, the most amount of exports that were coming from the New World were massive amounts of silver. In fact, in Peruvian history, there's this famous instance of a literal mountain of silver. And it's really elucidating the horrors of um, early Spanish colonialism and imperialism. Just uh, or, forcing or basing your money on a physical good <laughs> to still like mine out an entire mountain of silver. Death and disease be damned. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah silver, silver mines like, are terrible. Yeah. Currency, and that's actually why one of the world's first economic cra crashes was a result of Spain extracting so much wealth from the New World and not realizing that you know, oh look, the overflow of the supply is reducing the value of it because there's so much. How could we started out so rich? We're extracting all this wealth. Why are we suddenly poor? Because the Spanish apparently didn't understand economics. Yeah, they which crashed the, the value. Yeah, the yeah. Dutch, being bastards, ruthlessly <laughs> exploited. <laughs> <laughs> This, in case you forgot the Dutch are bastards. History, the Dutch are bastards. <laughs> yeah. Well, at, at, at least from like um, the 1600s onward, it's just like, yeah, the, the basically like from 1600 onwards, the Dutch have proceeded to be bastards in a mm -hmm. great many ways. Well, in the grand scheme of things, 400 years ain't that long, so that's fine. <laughs> like, again, I, I still thoroughly enjoyed Amsterdam. All the Dutch people were very nice. Mm -hmm. uh, they often seem very pragmatic, but uh, also it's very racist. I mean, the whole blackface thing, like, yeah, don't, yeah. they got to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> they got they really got to cut that out. Mm. Romans did it better. They hydraulically yeah. tore the mountain down. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on the geological scale, we are all apes. That's very true. We have not, you know, we're, we're still basically just scratching our asses in a tree. Uh, well, Sort apes of. together. Know. Apes strong. together strong. <laughs> oh, no, James oh, I think left. James is losing his mind. Oh, there. No, he's back. There he is. Okay. <laughs> no, no, not, not, we, not we my mind. We successfully broke Aramithius. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> not, not my mind, just the connection. Yeah. <laughs> Good move. Yeah, it's yeah. weird uh, on video conference when somebody desyncs and then they just reconnect and everything's fine again. I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. It's yeah. I wish it could have done it earlier. But anyway, oh, well. hey, this <laughs> yeah. is actually uh, it, it's it's uh, an interesting time because we I mean, we've, we've already blown an hour and 15 minutes. And I think Felix's phenomenal history lesson is a good way to wrap this up. Um, yeah, I was going to say it had nothing has, to do with Tovel the pilot. Tamil has nothing of this. Uh, well, it, it, it actually has a lot to do with it, because one of the one of the things that I kind of want Elder Scrolls lore fans to take sort of take from this is to um, understand what. Where what causes history to happen in the real world, and then look for mm. that in Elder Scrolls lore because Elder Scrolls lore is always at its best when it closely resembles the idioms of the real world and real history. Um, it doesn't yep. have to. It doesn't have to reflect the same uh, plot lines or uh, motivations or so on. But if you when when you have a, uh, a a a race of beings that are human in some way and have values like the need to breathe and eat and and clothe themselves and etc you're going to get uh you you are of course as a result going to get greed and when you combine greed with 
uh, in you know uh, exploration. You get imperialism. You get uh, uh, you get uh, the uh, uh, establishment of trade routes and industrialization. And uh, and while you can forgive the Elder Scrolls universe for omitting things like firearms, which it, when you think about it makes perfect sense why they don't have that kind of stuff. Um, it is it is very difficult to uh, to what to uh, not imagine that there have been incidents of trade wars and uh, imperialism and, you know, enslavement and so on, which we have had in the Elder Scrolls yeah. universe. But it's hard to not see that stuff happening. And there are huge swaths of time in the Elder Scrolls universe where we do not have very specific. So like all the stuff that Felix is talking about happened back in the 1600s. So that's you know, uh, 400 something years of history. And we were already in the, uh, uh, what, what Skyrim takes place in what the fourth era, uh, was it 4e 400 something, right? So, um, so we've got, you know, we've got huge like swaths. Yeah. Huge swaths mm. of centuries in the elder scrolls universe where we, where these kinds of, of massive events that have literally shaped the way the world currently looks, could have taken place. There's plenty of time for that kind of stuff to happen. So well, the, the so the question have. that well the question that lore fans need to ask is is there are we just not hearing about these events or is yeah. there a good reason why they're not happening? I don't know. There, there, there's bits that I'm kind of picking up on from from Phoenix's um, potted history of colonialism. Yeah. I was kind of. Um, I was getting some some kind of vibes as to why some things are the way they are in Tamriel. Because um, right. if I was kind of equating Somerset with China, because um, if you think about it, um, the idea of, well, what, um, the, um, if the, the Altmer are, oh, you're all savages, do we really need anything from you? Um, Kind of, kind of attitude. I mean, Topal did make himself a fortune from his from his voyage. He brought back a whole bunch of random stuff that he obviously sold for a pretty penny um but um that but the altmer in general are, are relatively dismissive of tamriel and thinking do we really want um do we really want anything to do with you for huge chunks of their history but they're also hugely arrogant and not necessarily the the preeminent power so i'm, I'm seeing a huge parallel there um there's also just if you want a parallel that's even more on the nose, the East Empire Company. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Where, which must have had something... Um, I mean, the, in, if, you, if you read um, bits of the Arcturian Heresy, pretty much the only reason Tiber invades Morrowind is because he wants that sweet ebony. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So it was... Uh, so Tiber's invasion of um, of Morrowind was entirely down to trade reasons. It's just not talked about in that frame of reference. Um, and obviously, the um, I don't even think it's in any of, in any of the terms of the armistice that we hear about. But obviously, East Empire access, East Empire Company access to the ebony mines, the ebony trade, must have been part of the armistice. Um, I just don't think. I think part of the issue is that fantasy isn't good at talking about economic history just as a genre i mean there's there's hints at it but it's not talked about in those sorts of terms i i generally agree because i think the sort of starting point of fantasy is precisely that it's a fantasy people want like fantastical creatures and wars sure. and gods mm -hmm. and demons and like you know 
And this kingdom attacked so-and-so purely because of trade reasons or a golden stool misunderstanding. It's like, we, that's, that's, that's real world stuff that is just silly and dumb and no one actually cares. You Nobody want, cares. Like, when when, when, when you say fantasy, right? Usually the first thing mm-hmm. that comes to mind is, oh, wizard in robes wielding spells and a big beefy dude in like armor and he's like swinging an axe and they got like some little wispy person or an elf with like a bone arrow being like, I'm here too. Like, <laughs> and it's like, you know, we're all friends on an adventure to steal the goblet from God and killed Satan. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's what fantasy is to a lot of people. It's this kind of big, eclectic, over the top, loud, boisterous, colorful escape from the mundaneness of reality. And we right. see that in our own, like, myths and histories of like you know yeah maui took like this giant fish hook and he lifted the islands out of the sea and the sun onto the horizon it's like damn what a badass Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. this is a common human story because for the longest time uh we only had what little understanding we had around the world and fire and the stories we could tell in a short period of time um the cave paintings and stories and it does not afford nuance why the world is the way it is and without understanding science and with you know your mind racing with all the darkness that exists beyond the flames of your new campfire that keeps you warm against the cold of the night the night is dark and full of terrors but it is full of imagination as well to keep kids in line to keep adults and societies in line or to explain Mm -hmm. you know what i really don't know why the oceans are here uh god's tears right like you know oh it's like a big ancient conflict and the kids like whoa cool like it's a human story mm-hmm. and that's uh and you get but then at the same time you end up with you know george R. R. martin's politics and you know uh frank herbert writing science fiction fantasy you know and you get these yeah. incredibly intricate novels that um sell ridiculously well that have a huge amount of history and 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 politic and you know money and so on or do they because they the other s- thing that, that because what the counter argument to what i just said is that george r r martin's novels also involve a lot of sex and a lot of murder yeah which is which is way more entertaining than like rewritten history of the war of the roses so. right yeah. yeah and so it's, all of a sudden go ahead yeah yeah i was going to say that a lot of it is kind of modeled around a particular mo- a particular way of looking at history. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the debates that got drilled into drilled into me during my during my A levels was that you've got more different models of looking at history. Is is it um, is it great men that affect change, or it is typically men, great people that mm-hmm. affect change, or is it or is it a matter of events? So one of the case studies that we had for that was the unification of Germany. So was it all uh, was it all of Bismarck's politicking and the acts of um, and the acts and the acts of the various people in um, people in Prussia or was it the fact that all of the various German states had immensely good trade networks they were all industrializing at a similar pace and they and it made more sense to have a trade un- and have a unified trade infrastructure and that sort of thing um, frankly the frankly the great men model makes a better story yeah. and fantasy is about stories and the way mm-hmm. that humans primarily process information, the best way to get people to process information um, for a given level of data is to tell a story about it. Um, it's, it's how we pass information so, quite so well. Um, and so that, that's, why, that's why history is, fr- is framed the way it is and why fantasy is framed the way it is, because those relationships and those people doing various actions are a heck of a lot simpler for 
our brains to understand because we're wired that way than the, um, than the economic factors. So that's what that's what fictional that's what fictional worlds will bring out when they want to bring something out because it's what people most readily relate to. Yeah, the Berlin yeah. Wall came down because Ronald Reagan said do it. <laughs> no, that was it. Uh, if only history were so easy. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> actually, actually, that that one is magnificent. It was mm-hmm. that. Yeah, the um, it was it was it was because someone in it was because someone in East Germany when negotiating some stuff about um <clears throat> about taking down the Berlin Wall because it was already on the cards. Yeah. didn't put a date on the four. Um, <laughs> and there's um. <laughs> And there's literally an announcement that says um, that the, the wall is coming down. And uh, as far as I'm aware, it's effective immediately was okay. more or less the translation of the words because it didn't have a date on it. They, uh, they left and, that blank off. <laughs> yeah. And so a whole bunch of people headed down to the wall. The guards at the, bo- um, at the wall had no briefing at all that this was happening. Great. It could have have ended so differently if they'd have decided to actually enforce that, um, actually act on their orders and open fire. Mm -hmm. But they thought, no, we're just going to let them through. Mm -hmm. It was, it was purely because that, that was left out in the form. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and so I think that, um, I think that, it, like I said, it, it's something that Elder Scrolls lore fans need to sort of understand if they're if they want to do these deep dives into the history of Tamriel is um, watch out for these huge chunks of time. And when you know, so when Oblivion ended and the fourth era started and then all of a sudden we fast forwarded, you know, X to the odd hundred years to the middle of the fourth era. You have to spend some you you have to think about why that happened. And when they you know when you hear about the stories of the great war that was very briefly fought between uh the uh between uh uh somerset isles and um practically everybody else and uh and how that war and how the imperium how the empire fought and how they lost that war um it's the thing that's important to think about is how all the kinds of stuff that can happen in those few hundred years and how they can all be sort of distilled and um, corrupted in some cases, and boiled down to the history that we now get in the game in the in the present, you know, um, and that there's there's a lot more nuance going on, uh, and that there's a lot of opportunities for additional stories to be told. Uh, if you know, I'm just laying the groundwork here for modders who are interested in in telling stories in you know in this in the setting of Skyrim, which we're going to have for another few fucking years. Um, you know that it, it, it's something to think about. And, Skyrim and, Ultra 4K Definition Edition. Uh, and and it's it's also important to remember. Uh, oh hey, Inbak, I got bingo. Well done. And it's something hey. important to remember when uh, uh, when. Uh, Elder Scrolls 6 comes out and you find out what's been going on, which, by the way, so I've been playing Skyrim recently and I'm just going to drop a little thing here at the end of this cast. Um, I've been playing Skyrim again and uh, because, of course, and uh, and uh, there's a little bit of a hint about what's happening in uh, Hammerfell uh, in the quest uh, of uh, in Whiterun featuring Sadia, the Red Guard who's on the run from Alkir Warriors. And there's some dialogue that she gives you, and there's dialogue that the critically d- differing dialogue that the Alakir warriors give you about why they're hunting her. 
that um, should probably be thought about, is what I'm going to say. So, um, yeah, Skyrim upscaled to 8K, because we're going to have 8K monitors by the time this fucking shit comes out. Um, and it'll, it'll be VR headsets. You need a VR headset to play Elder Scrolls 6. Yeah, well, Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be released for next-gen systems, and everybody's like, great, I just bought a PS5. <laughs> no, I, I don't... You're I don't. waiting on a PS6 there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'll bet you. Um, Elder Scrolls 6 with PS6. Not, um, not, 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 not even PS. Sorry, no, it's, oh. it's, it's going to be an Xbox exclusive. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, right. That's yeah. Money on that. yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Free beer tomorrow. Yeah. 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 So um, uh, we'll, we'll uh, give everybody a heads up about what the next cast is going to be about. And, uh, you know, yeah. hopefully. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, we Thank need you to decide for listening on a topic to me about. rant about IRL history instead of Topol the pilot. Uh, no, I, I actually <laughs> I'm kind of down for that. <laughs> um, yeah. Absolutely. Go. Uh, and, um, so I want to thank everybody for showing up. Uh, thanks for watching and, uh, join the discord. If you haven't already email us for the love of Christ with questions, this is the selectives lorecast at gmail.com. And, uh, we will see you guys in a couple of, oh, and, um, at some point or another, me and, uh, the white war are going to finish up the deadlands DLC online, which would be nice. And I might do a Skyrim cast just to show off how fucking pretty mods are for this game because, oh my God, it looks good. There you go. <laughs> um all right so thank you everybody oh. wait bye, bye. Everybody.